0: On this episode of The Real Dirt, we speak to Dennis Evans, the master grower at Cure Colorado. Dennis is a great guy who started at the bottom of the industry and has moved up to the top. He left his hometown and came to Denver, Colorado to become a master grower of cannabis. Now he's living the dream. Join our episodes where we talk about strains, the problems in modern cannabis, and the future of the East Coast here on The Real Dirt. All right, and we're back again with The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Today's guest is Dennis Evans of Cure Colorado. Say hey, Dennis. Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, it's going good, man. Dennis is the master grower for Cure Colorado, a medical dispensary out of Denver, Colorado. Tell us a little bit about Cure Colorado, Dennis.
1: Basically, Cure Colorado is a uh, medical-only dispensary here. We have uh, one storefront and one grow. Um, We basically, from start to finish, grow all of our medical cannabis and try to provide it to whatever patients decide they want to sign their plant count over to us.
0: Uh, Hey, that's a great way to start it. Let's talk about sign your plant count over to us. How does this whole thing work? Because we have medical and recreational here in Colorado. Absolutely. And
1: uh, so we deal with mainly on the medical side. And I guess the way it first started, honestly, was, you know, people were caregivers and you had your patients and you were able to, you know, grow their plants for them. And that evolved into what we have are the dispensaries now, obviously. And uh, generally, we'll sell to our cannabis to anybody that has a medical marijuana card, but uh, the way we get the rights to grow our plants in our facility is based on how many patients actually sign their state count over to us. And oh, that right. can be anywhere from six to, well, it was 99 plants until yesterday. Oh, is that when it ended <laughs> yesterday? It, he signed the bill yesterday. Uh, then it's like light switch? Uh, from I'm not sure if they're going to honor people's 99 plants whose card haven't expired yet, but uh, it's... I really don't know how that's going to go because people do enjoy those high plant counts. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely, man. So you guys get
0: people with medical uh, prescriptions for cannabis to— Recommendations. Recommendations. <laughs> yeah. Medical recommendations for cannabis to sign up with your facility. They give over their recommendation, so to speak, to you and allows you to grow their cannabis for them. Exactly. And then each person's allowed six plants now?
1: I believe that. I mean, there's still an extended plant count available to people, but mm-hmm. it's a lot lower than it used to be. Right, right. Um, I think
0: it's. it might be 16. Yeah, I believe it's 16 per household, or that would be what you could sign over Right, right. You get a hundred people that sign over their six or sixteen plants, whatever it is, and mm-hmm. then you can grow sixteen hundred plants or six hundred plants. Absolutely. You get a thousand people to give you their script, so to speak. Right. And you got six thousand plants. Exactly. Right, right, right. So that's how it works. Yep. How many how many plants you guys grow now? Currently we have four
1: flower rooms that are all each have um a hundred to 150 plants in them. So that's roughly 500 or so there depending on how we're going. And then we have three stages of veg for all those that have the same amount of plants in them. So at one time we could be up to 1200 plants in the facility including our clones, right? And and, and how long have you been working in the
0: medical cannabis industry?
1: Um on the medical side, I've been in it since I moved to Colorado. That's actually why I moved here. So probably about four and a half years now. You moved to Colorado
0: specifically to work in the cannabis industry.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I used to actually be an an engineer working on computers and, uh, in salt lake city but i figured the grass was greener on the other side of the mountains so it came you know, out here
0: it is greener over here. <laughs> it is. a little bit
1: literally it's completely greener yeah <laughs> well, that's actually how i gave my two weeks notice i let them know i worked for an lds
0: company too so they weren't mm-hmm. too excited to hear that <laughs> oh, oh wow they're like oh my god he's going to work for the devil yeah basically right do you feel there was any like voodoo or anything put on you when Mm-mm. you were starting to leave not yet <laughs> not yet <laughs> so far so good you're considered the master grower for uh, Cure Colorado, mm-hmm. right? Many people aspire to be a master grower of cannabis and a master grower of other things. I'm, I'm, I'm interested how you got started. How did you become a master grower? Well, I feel like everybody that does aspire to be a
1: grower has obviously started something at their house at some point or tried to do something at home because that's kind of how it all started in my opinion. Um, when I first got into the industry, it was hard to prove to anybody that you could uh, necessarily grow good weed or, or just be a great, you know, asset to their company. So I didn't really have a weed resume, per se, to, like, present to someone
0: to say, you know, this is my proof of what I've done and my experience. Right. So in the early days, you just said, hey, I've been working for uh, Church of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> right. Um am uh, doing computer engineering and uh, I now I want to grow weed. Right, so they gave me a pair of scissors. That was the answer to that. <laughs> that's they were hard. like, here you go. Here's right. a pair of scissors
1: and you can start with trimming the weeds. So that's really, you, it's kind of one of those industries, especially when it first started where you truly were able to start from the bottom and potentially work your way to the top. As it continues to evolve now, it's a little harder to do that because real companies are looking for plant science degrees and you know they're trying to really, you know, they almost look for people that don't even mm-hmm. smoke or use cannabis. you know. Because they yep. just want the scientist part of it and the science side.
0: Yep. Unfortunately, that's ignorance in the industry. Most of the people that have no cannabis experience or no love for it grow shit weed. I yeah, yeah. I'm talking agree. to you guys out there with your horticultural and botany degrees <laughs> that are growing shit weed because you don't care about it. Now, to the other people that got botany and horticultural degrees that do care about cannabis, it's a different story, man. Right. You know, they understand it and can grow it well. Oh yeah. Uh, But just because you got a horticultural grade doesn't mean anything. Oh yeah, and you
1: you need to be able to test your product at the end of the day too. I mean, if I don't think I'd go to a brewery if the
0: brewer was sober. Yeah, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like if he can't describe the type of hops you're you know drinking, what good is it? Exactly, right? One hundred percent. Yeah, there has to be this. You know, with all this regulation, it's kind of fucked up our like interaction with the cannabis plant. Right. Uh, Living in Northern California for for 20 years, this is what happens when you go visit a cannabis farm. You go to the farm and they immediately start to smoke you out with as much weed as you could ever consume in one sitting or standing or walking. Right? Uh, They, you know, uh, at least my friends, the ones I have visited, they're trying to impress you. Right. And, and, you know, oh, hey, look at this plant. It's hard. It's, it's a slow grower, but it's great. Here, let's smoke some of this weed. Hmm. Wow. Let's taste that earthy taste. We get that by applying seabird guano. <laughs> exactly. Right? And you, and and it's hard to get that with this regulated industry. Mm-hmm. Right. You go to a, a wine, a vineyard. Right. And what happens? Same thing. Oh yeah. Right. Like you're tasting wine, you're smelling wine, you're looking at the grapes right mm-hmm. and and we need that type of interaction oh absolutely
1: and that's just another way to realize you know the only way i'm going to be able to make my next crop better is if i know the quality of my last crop and i feel like you know being involved with that actual plant and knowing how
0: it works and the effects of it is one of those requirements yeah absolutely man smoke it up dude it's one of my big complaints in my side of the industry the indoor horticultural side is that they've often shied away from cannabis talking about cannabis Having cannabis flowers, like, you know, I've gone to trade shows, the major trade shows for hydroponics, and they say stuff like, we'll kick you out for smoking weed. So like, what's the first thing me and my crew do is like, smoke everybody out. Exactly. (laughs) Fire it up. And, you know, in the mortal words of Bubba Sparks, fuck the law. They can't arrest us all.
1: (laughs) It's true, though. I see these events and it's just it's really funny because uh, even with like some of the publicly traded horticulture companies, they refuse to say certain words and they won't carry certain items just because it's Mm -hmm. got the cannabis label or the cannabis connotation for
0: it. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, we've had numerous problems with uh, banking governmental and, you know, people Uh, years ago, uh, 2011, the cops busted into one of my my hydroponic stores. Right. Guns drawn. Freeze. Everybody put what you're doing down, you know. Wow. <laughs> okay, because someone had used our address to mail weed, had been using our address, right, to mail weed to pen- Pennsylvania. And the cops thought we were a medical like dispensary at the time. That's all that was around medical right. like, dispensaries. Right. So they like busted in and they like literally like looked so dumbfounded <laughs> when they walked in, you know, and they'd open up the next door, and the next door were like, aha. Here, it, aha! Here it is. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Well, I mean, it
1: probably wasn't funny at the time, but you know,
0: it, it actually there was like one dude that literally shit a fucking brick and thought he was going to jail. I don't know what he was doing at home, <laughs> but like they thought they were coming for him, and then everybody else just totally laughed at the cops. Right? It was this great experience for us and and kind of them too. Right, but it, it was a little scary because you see how you know you read about those stories where they bust into the wrong house thinking it's a crack den and kill somebody. Right, <clears throat> right, and you know we we did see s- some of that, but when it was all said and done, they apologized. Wrong address, right? Hopefully, didn't break any doors down or anything. You know, they did. I do not believe they broke any <laughs> doors down. I don't believe they broke any doors down, but uh, I do believe the the shit a brick employee did leave that next day. And we've had banking problems. We've been kicked out of numerous banks. We've been kicked out of numerous merchant services. Like, you know, oh, yeah, just like for POS stuff stuff and all that. Yeah. They just think, you know, they think we're selling weed. And it's like, well, this is a light. This is fertilizer. This is, you know, (laughs) soil. Right. Like, this isn't weed. Right. (laughs) But it's the education and, you know, Part. that's partly what this show is about really want to educate people on the culture and the realities of what's happening so much in the news you can't get the straight answer oh yeah right no, <clears throat> that's exactly true i mean every
1: time i read another article about cannabis it's like i'm just wondering to myself like okay what are they going to say today yeah oh God, or what that's... picture are they going to put up for that matter
0: yeah, right. <laughs> what stupid thing are you going to say today <clears throat> Yeah, you know, there's lots of enthusiasm about the cannabis business. It's super sexy, right? You wanted to be involved with it. You, you know, moved states, Absolutely. right, uh, uh, with just the dream. You didn't even have a job, right? No. You were I, like, I'm I'm moved Denver, and I'm going to grow weed.
1: Yeah, well, and I, you know, I knew at the time when I was moving to Denver, it was still a little bit different because you could, uh, you know, actually still grow a relatively large amount of plants at your house. So, Right. That's, uh, at the end of the day, if, if I was just taking care of myself and having a regular job, I would have been happy in Colorado. But since I was coming to start entry level, I figured I might as
0: well jump into the legal side of the industry. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I've been, you know, tons of grow rooms over the years. The I'm going to have some haters out here for this. But the, the the quality of the technology and the thought that goes into the build outs of, of the the new denver grow rooms are the most superior like in the world nobody's putting the money the energy the time or the brains into it right now like colorado's done
1: Uh, i 100 agree absolutely
0: and we were just your facility the other day as a matter of fact and uh uh, we saw a uh, uh wow probably like a 1200 amp flip device and what this does is it flips The 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 amps from one side of the building to the next side of the building so you can double your overall amp usage. Absolutely. Right.
1: Because a big problem that we have here now is like there's only so much power pulled to these old warehouses that we are actually able to zone for grows. Right. And when you call, you know, Colorado Power Company and tell them that you need more amps. One, it's a very expensive upgrade, and two, it's very hard to get them to agree to do it. But the upgrade itself can cut. You know, I personally know about one grow that bought a large facility that they wanted to run, you know, 250 lights in, 300 lights in, mm-hmm. and they just couldn't do it because they didn't have the power. And when they called the power company, it was $100,000 for the install, and they didn't have that money up front. So, yeah, you know, what we did to mitigate that problem was literally use the same power and split it between half the building since everybody, you know, as we know, the photo period's only 12 hours and there's 24 hours in a day, so that's twice as much we can get done.
0: So let's explain this to uh, some of the people out there that might be listening and don't understand what's going on. So cannabis flowers on 12 hours of darkness correct right so during that 12 hours of darkness you don't need your high-powered lights on just your environmental control systems your fans your ac your heat your dehumidifiers exactly right maybe sometimes your irrigation right uh but mostly not and so people commonly increase their flower rooms by adding some type of uh uh, a device that flips the lights from one side of the building to the next side of the building correct and, you know uh, we've sold like primitive versions of these in oh, the yeah. past where you could flip have 10 ballasts and run 20 lights right uh, you guys have like like a hundred lights though oh right yeah. easily right right you're running we
1: got about it. 36 in each flower room so mm-hmm. and then or I'm sorry we have 70 in each big flower room and 36 in our small flower room right. so and the, the 270 rooms are the ones that
0: flip, obviously, because they're the same size. Yeah, you, you know, I just uh, viewed your facility the other day. We did this great little video. Everybody should check it out on therealdirt.com or on our YouTube channel. I mean, you can download this episode on iTunes, of course. Uh, but uh, uh, check out this tour we did of your facility. One of the things I'm, I'm, I was impressed about the most of your facility is the the, the do-it-yourself nature and the inexpensive fixes that you came up with on the fly, so to, so to speak. Oh
1: yeah, I mean, when you're working in some of the, like I said, with these older warehouses and older buildings, you have to kind of give get yourself into the mode where you just problem solve. You know what I mean? You have to look at a problem and just be able to go and figure out how to do it. Because we don't always have the money and the time and the technology to just drop a ton of money
0: fixing our problems. So, uh, uh, give, give, me, give me a good example. Give me, give me what happened yesterday. What did you fix yesterday on oh. do-it-yourself? How about that?
1: So the most recent problem I fixed, honestly, we're coming into summertime right now, and obviously one of the most important things with uh, cannabis cultivation is your environment. And uh, dealing with the warehouse we deal with, sometimes we have like some uninsulated parts of the building that we're doing great this winter, but recently we realized in the summer heat they're just not going to be able to maintain. A swamp and hot. Oh yeah. we I was walking into a 90 degree room every day and that's just kind of pretty unacceptable unless you're in the ground. Obviously that's a different mm-hmm. story, but with a uh, cocoa, a 90 degree room is definitely not where you want to be. So what I ended up doing because that was a room full of really hot, high pressure sodium lights and ballast is we decided to convert that room into a different type of room and we changed it to a mom a room just for our mother plants and put t5s in there because they generate way less heat and that was just we literally just had to take two rooms and switch them one room was more insulated and had a bigger air conditioner the other room was it had exterior walls and really hot lights in it so we just right. made the switch and didn't lose any money didn't really have to spend any money and still were able to save our plants
0: just you know? just shuffle the cards yeah shuffle
1: the cards yeah it was definitely a big project but it's worth it at the end because you know you want your mom's healthy too, so starting with good healthy cuts is going to be great
0: as well. Right. Now, you guys grow great weed, great cannabis. It smells great. You guys are drying it properly. It tastes great. Per your own admission, you guys don't have a state of the art facility. That this place was built years ago, Absolutely. years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the the point I kind of really want to make here is that you don't have to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to grow weed. There's always
1: ways to um, basically get if you will, get the job done. You know what I mean? If you've got the basic equipment, the proper knowledge, and a way to control your environment, I think you can definitely always,
0: you know, grow a decent product for sure. Yeah. Now environment's number one. Absolutely. Right. You gotta have your environment down. Right. And mm-hmm. and cannabis can grow in all types of environments too, right? I mean, you can grow it at ninety degrees. Absolutely. Right. But like it does way better at seventy eight. Exactly. Right. <laughs> You know, the buds look better, it tastes better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll often hear people like, I say, oh, the stress, it's good for the weed. And it's like, well, they just can't get past the stress. Right. And their weed's good. I guess stress makes us stronger too,
1: but at the end of the day, I only want so much. So these, you know, well, the plants it, will respond the way they're they they they're supposed to.
0: Yeah, stress, I mean, I don't know if stress makes us stronger, really. I know that's <laughs> a statement people say, but, you know, my, my cousin Paul, he he's always coming up with these... Uh, these, you know, uh, uh, interesting sayings and his saying about weed is fat kids love cake, <laughs> right? And so, you know, you, you feed them, you pamper them, you don't let them do anything. You right. don't let them want for anything. You just yep. keep feeding them yep. and keep feeding them. Right. Oh, and it, yeah. and, it, and it is kind of true, man. If you, you know, give your plants the ability not to want for anything, right. Then you get the best plants.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yep. I always, you know, I always joke with uh, some of our assistant growers is every day that I come in, if I see a, a plant that's drooping a little bit because it looks like it needs some water or something like that, I'm like, that's one less day of growing because it didn't grow today. It didn't do anything today. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It wanted stuff all day, just like you said.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah it's that's a, a lot to talk day. to people about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed when we were at your place the other day how you interact with your your employees, and you kind of mentioned this to me too. like you know, uh, uh, it's, it's important to be able to, 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 to work with people and to have a team environment.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and the guys that I work with right now, they're really great. They, uh, they're actually starting the exact same way I did. They came in here, they've actually moved here from Louisiana, had zero experience, started in our trim room. And then, uh, as soon as a position opened up, I just saw good integrity. So I brought one of them out of the trim room and he's kind of just been working with me ever since learning my recipes, if you will. And, Techniques and different things that I do. He's actually going to be taking care of it for me for the next two weeks. So,
0: do you guys have a standard operating procedure, a book of how to do it?
1: For the most part, we do have a standing operating procedure, but at the end of the day, you still have to read your plants. So, you have to come in and look at everything. Like, we have schedules for everything, we have procedures for everything, but we still, it's still a day to day job where you got to come in and look because sometimes what I have scheduled today might not be appropriate if you really don't
0: want to mess things up yeah right well hey man thinking about messing things up let's let's take a little small break so we can uh uh, salute to our sponsors cultivate colorado growers and uh denver normal maybe we'll find some other weed it's real dirt with chip and dennis i gotta give incredible thanks out to denver normal they're an organization that advocates for the rights of every marijuana consumer in the Mile High City while also creating long-lasting partnerships with local businesses that share our value. Thanks Denver Normal, it takes people like you to really make the change. Alright, and we're back with Real Dirt Chip Baker and Dennis Evans from Cure Colorado. So we were talking about uh, standard operating procedures, mm-hmm. SOPs. It's become a, a, a buzzword in our industry. Absolutely. You know, it's a, um, restaurants often have these things. Absolutely. Right? Uh, you kind of have to. Same burger, same burger, same burger. Same linguini, same linguini, same linguine. Same linguine. Um, so it's a guideline right. on how to do it. But as most good restaurants, great restaurants have chefs and Burger King has cooks. Correct. <laughs> right. 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 Absolutely. But there's something to be said about how perfect that burger comes out every time with Burger King. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Potent- potentially. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't eaten Burger King for years, right? But uh, yeah, let's let's talk about that, man. You, you know, uh, many people throughout the industry are employing non-cannabis related people, like we said, mm-hmm. right? How do we keep the culture in it? How do we keep this thing we keep talking about, like, you know, the wine, the, the vintners have with being able to taste the wine or. or yeah, I mean, that's really a great question, because, uh,
1: you know, especially on the medical side of things, when we've got, you know, some of these new states turning over regulations, like where they are medical only, it's really hard to see people being able to still have that culture at, at the same time as follow all the laws, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Because right now that's kind of what they're using as their standard is how is it how is it truly just medicine if they want right. to go, go that route, you know what I mean? So the culture part, you know, I always joke around that I feel like a lot of um, head growers in Colorado or master growers in Colorado that started out with their own little thing at home are looking at themselves now, like everything we ever wanted, we didn't really want. Yeah. Maybe 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 we didn't want it legal. I feel like a lot of people have that idea, and it's because they want to keep the culture in it, but it's kind of hard sometimes, you know?
0: Well, I definitely understand, like, that you know, you're in a manufacturing facility, it needs to be right all the time. You need to have non-intoxicated employees. Right, 100%. Okay. I understand that, but just like, man, you go to the nicest restaurant, you know, in Denver, and mm-hmm. the chef is gonna taste the food. Oh yeah, right. And before he serves it to you, he's gonna make sure like it's right, right. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it, the laws don't allow for that. No, I know. It's really it's
1: a it is a weird weird notion, you know. Because uh, even if you look at like when you go to any any good like craft brewery or tap house, you know the the bartender if he taps a new keg, he's gonna taste it, make sure it's right. You know what I mean? it's the only way to do it. And I wish that uh I wish more often we were able to do the same thing, but at the end of the day when you when I work for a facility like I do, honestly, I can't even purchase the marijuana that I grow cuz I don't have a medical marijuana card. So,
0: but you can but you have a uh a badge that says that you can work in, in exactly in the industry
1: so you know that's just uh and that's how i think some of the future states especially on the east coast when they turn over is going to be is like you're not going to be able to use the product you grow technically right. because especially in those states getting a card there
0: isn't like getting a card here well that's uh man yeah i feel like that mentality is is really gonna do harm to weed absolutely right and, uh, I know there's, there's people out there saying that, you know, they can grow great weed without sampling or, or tasting it, but it's just not true. Right. Right. All right. Flushing. Let's talk about that for instance. Okay. Right. So like you've seen it, like you'll flush plant. Do you you guys flush? Right? Absolutely. Right. You guys have a standard flush procedure? 100%. Yeah. I
1: always have to, I, I mean, I really, cause Everybody was worries about potency and quality of marijuana, but at the end of the day for me it's taste, flavor, and whether or not it's harsh and gonna kill you when you smoke yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So flush is one of my flush and cure are the two most important things in my book. Obviously they, they growing are. a good product is is hard and the environment is good. And you're going to grow a great product, but you better take care of it at the end or else it won't finish. You it can won't. grow beautiful weed and not finish it right
0: and it doesn't taste good. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So, you, so say you guys flush for two weeks maybe? Uh, we flush for 10 days. 10 days. So, you flush for 10 days. So, man, you know, sometimes it doesn't flush right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, And sometimes it flushes way better than it does. Others. Oh, absolutely. Right. And there's not an exact science to that. Right, you could say like, "Oh, I flush it ten days every time, and this happens," but it's just not quite. Sometimes the it's case. too much. Sometimes it's not like, enough. Yeah, exactly. Right, and you see it when you fire the weed up, and the ash is black. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and it falls off in these big chunks. Looks like charcoal. It looks like charcoal. Mm-hmm. When you put it in a bowl, nothing happens to it. Right, right, and I've seen that on two week flush. Right, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. right, right, but like then some other times, like the ash just like. Evaporates and flies <laughs> through the air and yeah. like pulls right through the bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and it's just so fine, mm-hmm. right? How do you figure that out if you don't smoke the weed, right? How can you grade it and say this is top notch grade weed, right? Right, even for medical purposes, absolutely, right? Like, oh, then somebody's going to develop an ash test off this, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> right? There you go. They're like, I've got an asher, and uh. We analyze the ash.
1: Well, and it's funny <laughs> that you talk about that because that's what they're using to do everything now is testing. That's why they think they can do it scientifically without, you know, without tasting it. But I, how do you test for flavor? But I guess they have terpene tests now and they have potency testing and they have all that. But really, I still think that at the end of the day,
0: the best test is to gonna go ahead and try it out. Right. Pharmaceutical industry is coming into it. I mean, you know, use like, oh, laminine, 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 whatever. Right, and you just think you can compile those, and Often it tastes synthetic. Exactly. Right, mm-hmm. and you and you, and we taste this in the vape pens that are distillate with added with terpenes or in added it. terps. Yep, exactly. Right, and you know, well, it's, it's just like when you
1: get watermelon flavored bubble gum; it doesn't really taste like a watermelon. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Or I don't think so anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, it's. artificial flavors. It's what watermelon it is. gum. Yeah, right. <laughs> artificial flavors you guys have a dispensary and you sell directly through your dispensary from all the can the cannabis you grow. Absolutely. Do you yep. know if you're able to, uh, uh meet your demands?
1: Oh, uh, right now we are, we only have one storefront. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are in the process of expanding. We'll eventually be opening a store in Rocky Ford. Mm-hmm. So, um, it'll be interesting if Colorado has got some laws in the work because there's all kinds of weird laws about licensing and what you can do with your marijuana that you grow. Legal. So like, For instance, when we open our our store down in Rocky Ford, there's potentially we can only send so much of the weed that we grow in this license to that store. It's Mm -hmm. it's called like a 70-30 vertical integration, I think they say it is. Okay. So on the recreational side, anybody, there can be a recreational grower and he can sell as much as he wants to any dispensary he wants. Mm -hmm. On our side, for the medical side we have to grow 70% of our product. We can only purchase 30% of our product.
0: Right, okay, okay.
1: So when we open our store in Rocky Ford, if the laws haven't changed yet, but they are in the process of changing them, technically we can only buy 30% of our product from our other store. Oh, right, right, right. right. But right now we're meeting our demand because, uh, again, we serve our patients, so their plant count allows us to meet their demand. My
0: point is it's like a... It's a boutique shop. It's, it's, you grow it and, and you got to sell it direct to consumer. Oh, absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't. There's no pre-packaging
1: even. We, so no we pre-packaging. still have the jars and people get to almost cherry pick their nugs. Oh, <laughs> right.
0: I still go, I go into a lot of places like that. Right. I guess I should look, open my eyes. Are there, there, there are places Pre- that's just all pre-packaged?
1: Now every pre-packaging is basically the next step. And, uh, I feel like in the recreational side, especially, because it just makes the the lines go so much faster. It's kind of a bottleneck the way it used to be. You know, if you walked into a rec dispensary, the line took forever because they had to weigh out an eighth after they talked to the person about it for a half an hour. Whereas yeah, right. now with the prepacks, like they still have a jar of weed that you can go in and smell and look at, and then they reach behind the counter and give you what yep. they what they have. So totally, yeah, which I... is a turn off to some people, to be quite honest,
0: because mm. they're like, wait, I just looked at that, and you yeah. know. Then right. they get a little confused. Well, I mean, you know, for years people have been buying weed on the street like that. Exactly. you want an eight? Yep. You, you, <laughs> right? Where's my 20? Exactly. Give me a little 20, 20, 20. Oh, that's right. It's Friday, man. It's Friday. You ain't got a job. You ain't got shit to do. I'm fixing to get you high. <laughs> you got shit to do today, don't you? Tell me. Tell me this interesting thing you're doing later on. Oh, the, the flight? Yeah, flight.
1: Oh, yeah, I get to, I'm actually leaving for Iceland in a couple hours. I'm gonna fly out to, that's actually where I'm from, so gonna fly out and see some family and take my wife out there for her first trip to Iceland so she can meet
0: them all. What's the weed like in Iceland?
1: It's actually, when I do, when I do get it out there, it is really good. I mean, it has to be grown indoors, so, and I know I'll probably get a lot of haters for this comment, but... I personally prefer indoor weed over anything. If you can control an environment mm, to the T, mm, if you can control your environment, I feel like you're mm, going to produce a better product. That's studio, just how I
0: we'll, feel. We'll raise the studio of you for booze. Yeah, no, that's fine.
1: <laughs> I, but I, I guess it's because I've always dealt with it for the longest time. And right. what I have the majority of experience with is indoor sure. controlled environments. So, I mean, I have, I have spent time working in a greenhouse and, uh, that was quite interesting and you learn a lot there, but, uh, I just
0: really, really enjoy indoor, indoor weed, right, right? indoor cultivation. I've smoked a lot of weed out there and seen even more, maybe. But uh, here, here, here's my view of it, man. The best of the best of the best, the small percentage of full sun outdoor grown in like Northern California, Southern Oregon type of outdoor environment. And not all of it's like that. Right. Only this small percent of it, and I'm I couldn't even tell you what that percent is. As the grower, the grower might get it himself, you know, because they're picking their top nuggets, the most mature nuggets. They have right. the eye for it. They've seen it grow, right? Like that shit is fucking incredible. Right. The flavor, the high, right? It doesn't have the same look. Right. Doesn't have the same look. Right. Right. But man, like, you know, just this incredible clear high that you just keep on getting high from, you can just smoke it and smoke it and smoke it. Right. It's just incredible. But like, it's just the small percent. It's like this top tier. Right. right, And, and like, you got to like, like know the guy who's been doing it for 50 fucking years and all of his is like that. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. Right, right. Right. Or like, you know, individuals, they'll have small amounts of it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so that's one hundred percent the best, right? Uh, uh, environmentally controlled environments, though, produce this color, right? That mm-hmm. you get, uh, you know, with with indoor weed, right? Right, and it's a different color. It looks different, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, it the consistency of it is is pretty incredible
1: right i mean yeah right it's one thing i do notice even you know when we do our harvest and weigh our plants the consistency is always there we cut clones uh, off yeah. the same mothers and we weigh these plants and they make me punch these weights in. and it's funny because i feel like i just punch the same number in every time right and it's because of, of that genetic obviously of right. that specific right. genetic you know you know you'll have 25 plants and they'll all be within 50 or you know 10 to 15 grams wet weight of each other just because, you know, if you pruned them all the same, you grew them all the same, you fed them all the same, and they came off the same plant, they should finish the same.
0: Yeah, totally, absolutely. Man, uh, light light deprivation, though. Yes. Like like properly controlled, environmentally controlled, light deprivation greenhouses, Mm -hmm. probably the most, like, superior for cost, taste, and consistent quality if you can actually control the environment like indoor yes right keep it lit keep it hit heated keep the humidity down yep right that's
1: i think that was probably the most difficult thing i found is with working in the greenhouse that i worked in here um i'm not going to say the name of the company i worked for but uh <laughs> insert it, company brrr, right <laughs> uh but uh no it was actually a really good learning experience but we had three football fields full of flour in that place in three different stages at all times. Mm-hmm. Light depth with supplemental lighting. We actually had PAPS hanging as well for supple- right, for our right. 18 in the winter time. But the problem was uh, our cooling system was basically a giant swamp cooler. It was a pad-, wow. a pad wall on one side of the building that water dripped down and then we had fans on the other side of the building that would suck air through it. Right. So our humidity was 60 to 70% all the time. PM was a nightmare. Bugs mm-hmm. were a nightmare because the pad wall is open and right behind us was a hayfield, so every time he mowed, we got aphids and mites. crazy Yeah. So it was just, it was a very difficult environment. But when you learn how to, you know, fight those problems in an environment that big, moving into an indoor environment, it just makes right. life right. easy. You know?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Those those simple greenhouse techniques uh, are difficult with cannabis because of the specific humidity and temperature environments you, oh, yeah. you need for it. With, with with cut flowers anything you're not going to smoke or eat right, <laughs> right you can right. just kind of go right or even like you know man like even you know there's more regulated pesticides for lettuce than there is for ganja oh yeah right And all unfortunately all the lettuce we eat out there in the world unless it's organic or locally grown or something is going to have pesticides of some sort on it mm-hmm. that we wouldn't feel fit was good for cannabis exactly right uh so that that's also the story is you, you can grow lettuce and broccoli and shit in your greenhouse right and you're mm-hmm. gonna use you know on a commercial scale and they spray it with something
1: yeah all that they and they can spray it as much you know as much as the label allows yeah <laughs> as
0: much as the label allows right 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 where weeds you can't really do that you no. don't people people do but like it, it's stress it, again we talk about that mm-hmm. you know right well hey man so stressed out let's take another break All right, cool. hey this is Chip from Real Dirt and I got Dennis Evans here from Cure Colorado these new episodes are made possible through some really awesome partnerships we want to form long-term relationships with other entities who have similar goals thanks to Grower Soil a line of soil and nutrients manufactured and developed right here in Colorado also, thanks to Cultivate Colorado, with two stores in the Denver metropolitan area, Cultivate has one of the largest selections of indoor to horticultural equipment in the known universe. So stop by if you have any growing needs. Grow your dreams, cultivate your legend. This is The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Today, I'm Dennis Evans from Cure Colorado all right Dennis we've been having an excellent conversation here about next to nothing it seems but I guess you know <laughs> the stuff I'm passionate about right Oh no. uh, yeah it's a wake and bake for us here today we're up early um I think it's like uh 6 30 by somebody's time a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I can agree with that <laughs> um how many strains you guys growing over there Right now, we're right about
1: 22. We're still we're adding and losing some all the time. I've only been there for a year and a half, so there's some stuff where I've realized after three or four rounds that I'm not too happy with, so I'm eliminating it. And there's new stuff that I like to bring in just because, uh, you know, new genetics are always fun to grow. I mean, not necessarily new genetics as far as the industry, but... Uh,
0: are your strains patient-driven, or do you guys drive it?
1: Um, right now, they're kind of driven by us. When I first started, they only had five strains. So mm-hmm. I, you know, the first thing I said is let's try to bring in as much as we can. Um, and they agreed with me. So we went ahead and, and just started getting as many cuts as we could. Some people aren't mm-hmm. as willing to give away uh, new, new genetics mm-hmm. or their genetics. So we just acquired what we could from the places we could. And now we're up to about 22. So the patients are starting to pick and choose, though, what they like. There's definitely requests that come in for things. Right. Absolutely. What's currently requested? Gorilla Glue number four. Gorilla Still, number it's been talked. Four. To, I thought it was gonna fade. You know, that's like the good, cookie. Oh no, good. I know. I can't help it. I mean, you ours, have, do you have any? Nah, not no, on man. me right now. But really, ours I really tests like between it when like guests bring weed. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. You'll have to have me back. No, I'm going to the oh, airport uh, after this, man. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right.
0: That's right. That's right. Okay, you get a pass. You get a pass. Um, no, I'm serious. Bring weed if you come over. Um, <laughs>
1: the, uh, but yeah, so the Gorilla Glue number four, ours tested like 28 to the, to 29%. So it is definitely, people like to request based on the numbers sometimes too. When they see it's one of your highest testing strains, they tend to request it more too. Mm. I feel like after 19%, no matter what, I'm getting high though. So <laughs> I go for flavor and taste.
0: Yeah. You know, the, the, the terpene, um, signature is underlooked looked in this oh, whole thing. Absolutely just like essential oils uh, have medicinal effects in our other lives, lavender, rosemary, you know, one Nag Champa, I don't know if that's an essential oil, but, <laughs> but anyway, same way with weed, man. Mm-hmm. Right. Sour Diesel's like considered a, a, a to a lower THC compared to others. Mm-hmm. Right. But man, I get way higher off sour diesel. That'll be like, 22 percent thc than i do off like a jack hair that's 27 percent exactly oh right yeah, definitely
1: you know i i can see that and it also the test the testing methods too have going a lot to do with these percentages as well you know because mm-hmm. if you deliver anything with moisture that's going to affect your percentage so depending on how they deliver their samples i i tend to wonder what's going on when i
0: see some of these testing numbers come back at some other of these dispensaries <laughs> Yeah, well we've talked about this over and over again on the show is there's not so much integrity in that whole side of the industry. And, you know, you're getting paid to sell tests that test high. Right. And, you know, we've constantly we've seen this rise in testing. Right. And it's like OG used to be like eighteen percent, man. Now it's like, you know, twenty six, magically 27, magically. Like, yeah. <laughs> same the, cut oh the same test more, the <laughs> test are more accurate right and it's like I don't know man something's going on there you know I should have some testing facilities on yeah absolutely grill them yeah. I think you should like, What? tell me what's going
1: on there's there's plenty of them out there everyone wants to make a dollar off that that was the new industry there for a second here it yeah because like...
0: in my view there's next to no regulation on it but I don't know maybe there is there's I think there's one state accredited lab um uh, mm, one mm. Mm, war, war. <laughs> gorilla glue is the most preferred do you do you guys the growers or you have a favorite plant to grow or favorite plants to grow
1: uh honestly particularly my favorite plant to grow right now that we have there is a uh, our critical kush just because of the flowering time it finishes faster and denser and mm-hmm. it just i see the results from it more than i see more, quicker than I see any other weed. You know what I oh, mean? Right. So it's, you know, flowers faster. It finishes faster and it's just fun. Good to see. It has a nice fade when it flushes and it looks really, really good. And it produces a lot of weight. So
0: I like right. that. What's the, what's the genetic history?
1: Behind On that? that one, I believe it's critical massed uh, crossed with OG, I right. believe. Uh, um,
0: Shanti, I haven't studied Shanti all Shanti of ours. Baba strain, Mr. Nice. I think so. Yeah, totally. Critical mass. Yeah, big bud, Afghan. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Oh yeah, totally. I know that weed. So, man, tell me about what a grow day looks like. I oh, want right. to hear about, like, everybody else wants to hear about, like, how you guys do it. Well, I can't give away all the good secrets. Uh, uh, no, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh You'll basically have to come and apply for a job, go through our training program. Right. <laughs> no,
1: basically, a day for me, I'd like to get in there, obviously, before everybody else is the head grower so that I can, to, you know, take... You have to walk around and look at everything. Mm-hmm. You, I've really... First things first is walk around and look at every room, make sure that lights are off where they're supposed to be, lights are on where they're supposed to be, and plants are basically looking the way I assume they should look. And from there I can build my day, you know, we hand water everything and we use cocoa, so, you know, it's we're kind of on a schedule, but I still have to basically go around and feel almost every pot to make sure, because over watering is a big problem and I don't want to do that, you know what I mean, that's really detrimental, it causes more problems than we want to deal with at our grow. And so, you know, I spend the day checking all my pots and then getting a list together for what my guys are going to do once they get in. And essentially, you know, when they come in, you know, whether it be we're going to prune an entire room today or, you know, trellis a room out so that we can get as much space under the lights as possible. It all depends. But, uh, you know, we go through basically every grow room, make sure everything looks good and then decide what we have to do for the day to start with.
0: But I, I saw your clone room the other day. Right. Right. You guys take clones from mother plants. Mm-hmm. Your mother plants are grown under T5s, under right. cocoa fiber. Let's let's talk about your clone clone technique. We talked about that a while the other day.
1: What I always tell the people that, that I work with is when it comes to cloning is, for me, less is more almost. You know, a lot of people try to, like, hammer them with some kind of, you know, rooting solution or, or you know, different hormones or lots of food, and they have all these techniques, but... At the end of the day, my my technique is to try to take my clones off mothers, take the hardiest cuts that I can that, you know, obviously not too thick. And um, basically just use an easy cloner, which is an aeroponic system, and RO'd water and just make sure that my biggest thing is cleanliness. You know, if you're not clean when you're taking your cuts, and you, then you're probably not going to have a successful rooting. But uh, basically we take eight to ten cuts at a time, keep them in a glass of RO'd water until we make our final 90 degree cut, throw it in some rooting hormone and just put it in an easy cloner with RO and let it be for two weeks. I try not to touch it. Occasionally I'll spray them with a little rhizotonic to kind of force some rooting. But uh, other than that, we just uh, kind of let them be. Right, right. And, and you just put water, just plain water. Yeah, RO. Right. I mean, it's ro It goes, right. you know, it's a, a lot of waste, I feel like, but that's why that's the only
0: thing we use on our RO for. So then you take those clones, you transplant them into uh, like four or five inch pots, right? cocoa fiber, grow mm-hmm. those under T lights, mm-hmm.
1: right? We do that, yeah. We leave them under that stage for about two weeks until we will uh, transplant them again into a probably about it's equivalent to about a three gallon pot, I would say, the square square pot. So it's a little hard to judge, but uh, we'll put them in there and they'll stay two weeks more under T five lights, and then from there we'll give them two weeks
0: under metal halides. Right, and then you transplant them again when you go in the middle?
1: No, I, I actually stay in the three-gallon pot. Um, All the way through flour at this yep. point. Oh, right. I, I just, uh, I prefer it. We did f- do five gallons for a while, but uh, I wasn't able to water as often as, I, as I'd like, and less water is less food, and like you said, you know, fat kid likes cake, so <laughs> yeah, we had to give it more. So smaller pots make it drink faster and, you know, work more
0: efficiently. Right, absolutely. How many times a day you guys water when they're full-grown?
1: Um, Honestly, we're... we're get to once a day, then right okay. now we're every other day until right. about week six, we're about every other day. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we're giving them pretty much a lighter mix, but, uh, we continue to water them every day. Right. Absolutely. Are you guys do you use
0: organic nutrients?
1: Uh, we're synthetic. We so, use, cu- yeah, we use cutting edge.
0: Oh, cutting edge, mm-hmm. John, John Picarillo from cutting edge. Yeah, I'm going to have him on the show soon. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a
1: great guy. He came and
0: toward our grow as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's awesome, dude. Awesome, dude. I've turned hundreds of people out his product.
1: Yeah, it's a, for a commercial environment, it's a really great product. It's very cost effective and
0: it does a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and you flower your plants in those three gallon pots, you hand water them. Mm-hmm. You guys, you guys don't have that many numbers per plant either. It's not a high canopy plant garden. No. Right. No, not yeah. at all
1: kind of keep it relatively simple. It's a, a kind of old school grow if you really walk through it
0: compared to some of the places that you would see here in Colorado, especially mm-hmm. the new builds. Right. Yeah, yeah. it, it is an older older generation grow. It's, but but you pro- proven can be done done well mm-hmm. with uh high pressure sodium lights. Yep. Just 1000 right? watt Google. high pressure sodiums vented right. vented mm-hmm. T5s for veg. You know. Yep, totally. Uh, grow trays Hmm. right yep and, simple drain to waste and you know mm-hmm. really really easy system right oh yeah man well i feel like i got some dirt right there got some <laughs> dirt dennis i got dirt on dennis man what you know uh, uh what are some of the like challenges that you've had to face through putting all this together and in, in, in the cannabis industry
1: uh you know the biggest challenge is sometimes is just uh Trying to get people on board, make sure everybody um, agrees with what you're doing and actually wants to move forward. Because granted, we do do things um, at this grow a little differently. Some of the other places I've worked, you know, they, they don't necessarily want to evolve with the technology. So, you know, like you said, cannabis, it's changing all the time. So some of the challenges you face is trying to get people to upgrade. You know, they're like, we're already doing this well. We're already making this. But, you know, if you can do better then why not try and evolve with the industry, you know, and continue. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest challenge is just getting everyone on the same page because it's, and it's probably the same way in a lot of industries, whether it be restaurants, like we were talking about earlier, it's probably hard to get owners on board as a chef
0: sometimes, you know? Mm, yeah, absolutely. No, we got to buy the higher end vegan bacon. <laughs> can't buy this cheap stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what's in the future, man? What's, what's next with cannabis? what's next?
1: Well, it seems like they're still expanding state to state all the time. I mean, I feel like I always hear about another state at least going medical. I think over half the nation is medical now, right? We got more than 26 states, I believe, mm-hmm. and a couple that are just voting on legislation as we speak. So yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, the future is definitely all those states are still going to be really green to the industry, if you will, you know, just mm-hmm. not really, you know, there isn't a ton of growers on the East Coast. I'm sure that Again, it'll be like a whole nother starting from scratch where there is no weed resume out there. So I think that the future is honestly going to be the same thing that happened out West happening on the East Coast. You have Massachusetts that just went fully legal, you know, and other states around them that are just thinking about it. Because interstate commerce there is a lot closer than it is out West too. So a lot of states are worried, are we just going to have to deal with people black marketing through our state or do we just want to jump on board? So I think that the future is definitely the East Coast for sure. Yeah, no doubt, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, they've been waiting for it. Mm-hmm. They've been waiting for it. They awesome. keep
1: coming out here. Maybe it'll slow down our traffic on I-25. <laughs> so says
0: Nebraska. Right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Man, it's been, it's been a great episode of The Real Dirt here with Dennis. You can download this episode on therealdirt.com or on iTunes at The Real Dirt Podcast. Look us up on YouTube. Dennis, it's been great having you, man. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for uh, having me out. Yeah, man. Uh, look forward to uh, seeing what's next. Bring back some of that ice bud. Yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right. Later, buddy. Thank you for joining us today on The Real Dirt. It was a pleasure to speak to Dennis Evans, master grower at Cure Colorado got a great insight into what drives people to be into the cannabis industry and really we really like touch something with how the culture needs to to be emphasized and we can't turn this into this sterile pharmaceutical style environment it was a pleasure speaking to Dennis today and I hope you enjoy our episodes please download it on therealdirt.com or check out The Real Dirt podcast on iTunes. We've also got a YouTube channel at The Real Dirt. Thanks for joining us.